0: Hi, this is Steve Nerlich from Cheap Astronomy, (coughs) CheapAstro.com, and this is Cheap Astronomy live at CERN. Here at Cheap Astronomy, we occasionally report on an astronomy-related travel experience, and since I recently went to Geneva and I visited CERN, that fit the bill nicely. CERN is an acronym for an old title in French, which the French don't use anymore, which roughly translates to the European Laboratory for Nuclear Research, but its actual title in English is now the European Organisation for Nuclear Research, and it's pretty much the same in French. Nonetheless, everyone remains happy to keep calling it CERN, even though it's an acronym that doesn't stand for anything now. Also, as soon as you start saying the European Organisation for Nuclear... Someone will quickly stop you to clarify that it's not really nuclear, since that sounds like it's about nuclear energy, or even bombs. CERN is actually about particle physics, and not much else. CERN was established in 1954, and has hosted a number of particle colliders over the years, some of which have since become part of the Large Hadron Collider, the LHC, which is currently the largest particle collider in the world. For example, the proton synchrotron, which began operation in 1959, can accelerate a proton beam up to 25 giga electron volts. It feeds an already accelerated proton beam to the SPS, the superproton synchrotron, which began operation in 1976 and can accelerate proton beams up to 450 gigaelectron volts The SPS then feeds beams into the LHC, which began operation in 2010, and the LHC can accelerate that beam up to a world-record-breaking energy level of 13 tera-electron-volts. When you compare accelerator performance, it is best to talk in terms of electron-volt energies – since you can accelerate particles quite close to the speed of light in a fairly modest accelerator. The extra energy of bigger accelerators contributes more to particle momentum than it does to speed. So the very high energies of the LHC ensure that collisions of its accelerated particles are considerably more violent and hence more likely to scatter debris in the form of quarks and bosons. The term luminosity describes how many collisions per unit time and per unit cross-sectional area a particle collider can generate. Planned upgrades of the LHC are focused on increasing its luminosity through various tweaks and adjustments. Of course, there are also longer-term plans for the next even bigger particle collider which might have a 100km circuit, as opposed to the LHC's current 27km circuit. This future machine is currently referred to as the FCC, the Future Circular Collider, and is likely to be also built at CERN, and would hence likely be fed a particle beam that had already been sped up in the LHC. It's usually the case that bigger colliders are built on the shoulders of smaller colliders. Within the LHC, as with most particle accelerators, the acceleration of charged particles is driven by mechanisms called frequency cavities. Within those cavities, the polarity of an electromagnetic field is switched from positive to negative as positively charged protons, or other hadrons, pass by. This process tends to bunch up groups of particles, since for any field switch, some particles in the right position will be accelerated, while others won't. This bunching up is actually a good thing, as it creates high-density packets of particles that will then produce higher luminosity collisions whenever two such bunches collide. The electromagnets you often hear about in particle accelerators are really just there to steer and shape the particle beam rather than accelerating it. Steering is obviously important since the LHC is a big circle rather than a straight line. You can build linear accelerators which do have straight line beam paths but the advantage of a circular accelerator is that you can run two beams in opposite directions before colliding them and you can keep giving those beams a repeated acceleration kick as they go round and around. The disadvantage of a circular accelerator is that particle beams lose energy when they're bent around a curve. That energy loss is in the form of photons, called synchrotron radiation, and the more curvature that's in the beam path, the more synchrotron radiation that's lost. So big circular accelerators are big because a larger diameter reduces the curviness of the path that particle beams have to follow. So to recap, the main components of an accelerator are the RF cavities that do the acceleration, the electromagnets that steer and shape the particle beam, and of course you need an evacuated beam tube so particles can move close to the speed of light without crashing into air molecules. The LHC has 16 RF cavities and literally thousands of electromagnets, some of which guide the beam around the circle, and some of which keep the beam narrow and focused, and some of which can be activated to shift the two beams that are running in opposite directions, so they collide. After an already accelerated particle beam enters the LHC, it takes about 15 minutes to accelerate that beam to maximum energy, over which time particle bunches will have passed the 16 accelerating RF cavities about 1 million times each. Beam collisions are directed to happen at four collision points around the LHC circuit And, of course, the LHC's main detectors are situated at those four points. There's ATLAS, standing for a toroidal LHC apparatus, and the CMS, the compact muon solenoid, which are both generic detectors that collect generic collision data, and it was ATLAS that found the Higgs boson in 2012. Additionally, there's the LHC-B detector, that's investigating matter and antimatter physics, and there's ALICE, a large ion collider experiment, that's investigating quark-gluon physics. Another key part of the LHC is its supercooling system. The high energy flow required for its electromagnets to work is only possible if the wiring is supercooled so that it will superconduct. In fact, if you go down into the tunnel of the LHC, you'll see two tubes running alongside each other. One being the accelerator tube that houses the particle beams, the electromagnets, and so on, while the other tube alongside it is the cryogenic system that keeps everything super cool. Another key part of the LHC infrastructure is its IT system. When the LHC is running... Collisions are going on all the time at the four beam crossover points. This produces a ridiculous amount of non-stop data flow, so any kind of data storage device is going to fill up long before anyone's had a chance to sift through all that data. So, automated data processing filters out most routine collision events, reducing the data output by a factor of around 100,000. What's left is stored on local servers, and copies of all that are distributed around the world by what's now called The Grid, though you are probably more familiar with its predecessor, the World Wide Web, which was developed by Sir Tim Berners-Lee in 1989 at CERN. Anyhow, if you do go to Geneva for the CERN tour, and you go when the LHC is running... Forget about most of those documentaries you might have seen, showing all those long tunnels and huge detectors. If the LHC is running, no one goes underground. The radiation arising from all the collisions, in the form of both gamma rays and high-energy subatomic particles, could potentially kill you, or at least shorten your life. And it's pretty cold down there too. When the LHC is running it will run non-stop, day and night, for months or even years at a stretch. The cool-down and warm-up processes that are needed between starts and stops take literally months to complete. So, as long as the LHC is running smoothly, it's best just to keep it running. So, if you do want a tour of the underground bits, a shutdown for maintenance and upgrades is scheduled for 2019. Whatever your plans, be aware there is a bit of mucking about required to book a CERN tour, which are all free and very popular. You have to book a tour online exactly 15 days ahead of the day you want, although you might get lucky with a second round offer that's three days ahead. Alternatively, if you just rock up, you won't get the speaking tour, but there are still self-guided exhibits on site that aren't half bad. There's the microcosm exhibit next to the visitor's centre, which has several walk-through rooms with animations and push-buttons that tell you about how the LHC works. And on the other side of the tram lines, there's the universe of particles exhibit inside the globe of science and innovation, which covers more of the theoretical side of particle physics and actually gives string theory a lot more plausibility than you might have inferred from listening to some cheap podcast. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website where you can always order the quark gluon soup. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye.